Our life journey, especially our life assignment, is the race that we run. If we need to run well, we need endurance. Here are some helpful insights on how to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Good morning and welcome to our online service. It's good to be back. And if you are a first-time visitor, welcome, welcome. Please do let us know in the chat section where you are watching or where you are watching from. And uh, yeah, welcome back. It, in fact, Psalm 118 and verse 24, we read, uh, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So no matter how the week has gone, you know, today, this is the day the Lord has made. And we, as we've come to his presence to worship him and to look into his word, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, just want to remind us about a few resources that we have available, especially if you're a first-time visitor. Um, we have the church website, apcwo.org. You can go there. There's a lot of, there are a lot of resources there. You could make use of it. They are free. And you could uh, forward that to your friends as well. Also want to remind us about the church app uh, that we have, All People's Church app. Uh, a very useful tool. Um, uh, my favorite is the um, uh, is a section called Faith Builder. It has uh, scriptures for various occasions, uh, and uh, you could use these scriptures to declare over your life. You can uh, meditate on these uh, scriptures. So Faith Builders is one section. And then we have another section called uh, uh, In Christ Declarations. Um, so these are um, who you are in Christ, about our identity, and from A to Z, different categories again. So uh, several other things as well. So you could use the uh, church app. Um, so you could use that. Or maybe if you are a... You know, if you, if you just stumbled onto the service and maybe someone invited you and um, maybe you've never been to church before or not considered Jesus to be Lord and Savior. And uh, another interesting resource we have for you is examiningjesus.com. You can go to that website uh, and you can see for yourself the facts and whether it was Jesus a myth or was he a historical figure and what are the teachings and uh, what did he say about himself and so on. And you can really discover uh, the truth about who Jesus is. So all this is available and uh, you could you could visit and you could make use of it. Okay, it's time for our declaration. So let's do that. Good morning, church. As we get ready to do our declaration, just reminded about how powerful is our word that we speak. In scripture, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, we read, Then he sent, said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. The words that we speak here on earth is heard in heaven. Angels are being dispatched by God in response to our words that we speak. What words would you speak knowing that your word is heard in heaven? We know that God's word prevails in heaven. In scripture, Psalms 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The words that we, we speak in prayer, in faith, or to bless others or to exercise our, our authority in heaven must be the words that words that are aligned to word of God and established already uh, in heaven. Remember, your words are heard in heaven. Church, as we believe this, let's do a declaration by lifting our Bible eye up on the air. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. 
I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word, I believe His word, and I live by His word. Christ is my master, to Him I am an absolute surrender. I present myself as a new wineskin, to receive the new wine and fresh oil being poured out on me. God releases new things and a new work of His Spirit in me and through me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You know, when we made our declaration right now, we said, I present myself as a new wineskin um, to receive the new wine and the fresh oil poured out on me. God releases a new work in me and a work of his, a new work and, and of his spirit in me and through me. This is the word of the Lord for 2020, for this year. So six months have gone by and we are in the second half of the year. So it would be good to just remind ourselves about the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, uh, when it's released to a body of believers, it's, it's, uh, it's as if God is saying, you know, I, I want to emphasize this uh, among you. I want to emphasize this in you. So the word of the Lord is uh, new wine, fresh oil, new wineskin, that we would present ourselves as new wineskin. Uh, when we look at wineskin, it's a container to, uh, to carry various kinds of liquids. And normally they would pour new wine into new wineskin because new wine, uh, the new wineskin is strong and it can stretch and so on. So even as, the, as a new wine ferments as it will, it will cause the skin to stretch and the skin will stretch, will be able to stretch. So um, uh, the Lord Jesus, he was talking about the new covenant that he was bringing in and he was saying, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the new wine skin has to be there in order to receive that new, co new covenant or the new wine that he was pouring in. So the Lord is looking at us to present ourselves as new wineskin. And of course, new wine refers to a new work of the Spirit, a new work of God, new things that he's releasing, and also fresh oil refers to a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. So each one of us as believers and as a body of believers as a church, um, we were exhorted and we are exhorted, reminded to, um, to present ourselves as new wineskin to the Lord. So that would mean that, uh, that the Lord will cause us to discover new things, new things, new gifts, new grace, and he will also you know, uh, take us to new opportunities and present us with new things so that we might, um, we might grow, we might receive that. And the Lord will also redirect us. You know, the things that we do, he will redirect us, change, restructure those things uh, so that, uh, uh, so in, in, even in ways that we did not anticipate. We also saw that the Lord will stretch us you know, in terms of capabilities, in terms of uh, what we are uh, normally uh, not accustomed to, that Lord will stretch us in those things. Uh, we also saw that God will use this as a time in the wilderness for some of us. It'll be a time in, in solitude, it'll be a time in silence, uh, but it'll be a, it won't be a depressing time. It'll be a joyful time. It'll be a time with the Lord and uh, it'll be a time of strengthening for us. Um, and we also saw that the Lord will take us through a process of metamorphosis or transformation uh, in order to change us, in order to develop us so that he might, he might release those new things in us. 
right? So, so it's exciting. So as we face the second half of the year, let's continue on with that excitement because the Lord has declared it and he is true and he, is, uh, he will not lie. So therefore, it's up to us. So whenever we receive, uh, whenever a prophetic word or word of the Lord is released, um, we have a responsibility as believers. Uh, and our responsibility is to, of course, receive the word, to believe the word and to apply the word. In other words, we are called to, to run with the word, right? Which brings us to today's message, which is run with endurance. Even as we have received the word of the Lord, the prophetic word, to present ourselves to him as new wineskin so that he might do new things in us, he might release new things through us. May we not lose steam halfway. Even as we have come to the halfway mark of this year, may we not lose steam, but run with endurance. Uh, in, in scripture, we see that uh, several references uh, in, in the New Testament about running the race, that our life is, uh, is figuratively is referred to as the race. Uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24, Paul writes and he says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. So what is he referring to our life as? He's referring to our life as the race. And he's saying, you know, run in a way to obtain the price, right? And uh, he, in the verses following that, he also talks about how one needs to be temperate, temperate and disciplined and etc. in order to obtain the price. So uh, in other words, he's saying that when you live your life, you, it is a purposeful life. Live every day purposefully because your life has purpose, your life has meaning. Uh, another scripture, Galatians 2 and verse 7, he's talking to the Galatian church and he's saying, you know, you ran well. What hindered you from obeying the faith? Again, he's referring to the spiritual life, uh, the life of faith of the believer. Another place, um, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7, Paul actually testifies and uh, he testifies like this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In other words, he's saying my life assignment, the call that God has for my life, I have actually finished it. I've come to the end of it. I've concluded it. So our life assignment um, is also referred to as the race. So today we are going to look at a very familiar portion of scripture, which is in Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, I'm sure we would have read it many times and maybe you've taught on it as well. Um, but for those of us, um, you know, it, it could be maybe for some of us, it could be a new thing and uh, pray that God would speak to us. And, uh, and also for those of us uh, to whom it's familiar, may the Lord uh, give us new insights about it. So so let's read uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, two, 1 and 2, and then uh, a few other verses later. Uh, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So uh, here, the, the writer of Hebrews 
in chapter 11, um, he talks about faith, um, how, what faith is, and with what faith we should approach uh, God. And then he lists down all the heroes of faith throughout scripture. And he comes to this place. So he's talking about faith, the walk of faith. And he comes to this place and he says, let us run with endurance. Since, since we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance. So you know, living by faith and running with endurance, you know, it doesn't contradict uh, uh, one another. In fact, it flows together. If we are living by faith, if we are led by the Spirit, we are also called to run this race with endurance. So, um, running with endurance. So, what is endurance? Um, it is the ability to go through a difficult process or situation without giving up. It is the capacity to withstand wear and tear. In other words, it's a life that says, you know, I will not quit. I will not quit. Uh, that's the uh, that's what it is. So uh, uh, in the New Testament, endurance. Uh, when you say endurance, it's, it's a person uh, who does not deviate. Uh, who's a person who en- uh, who endures? It's a person who does not deviate from the purpose, the faith, uh, and the calling. Uh, does not make any detours, uh, even when facing great trials and persecutions, maybe or maybe difficulties and challenges. Uh, does not make any detours, and uh, one who is steadfast and perseveres patiently. Uh, So endurance describes such a person, and we are called to run like that. Uh, If you look at 2 Corinthians 11, uh, Paul actually talks about some of the things that he went through, Um, and he talks about how the kind of danger that he faced uh, on the sea, the dangers that he faced with his own countrymen, with with the non-Jewish people, and uh, he also talks about all kinds of physical discomfort that he had to go through, the the shipwreck uh, that uh, that happened, and uh, uh, and also he talks about the imprisonments and and the the whippings that he uh, that he uh, that he received, and and all that. Uh, you know, he lists down, he lists all that uh, that happened in his life. And then when we read Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, uh, chapter 4 and verse, uh, verse uh, uh, 7, he testifies and he's saying to Timothy, you know, I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. So we see the picture of a person who, who endured, who persevered, who was steadfast, no matter what difficulties, no matter what challenge. So that's the picture that we have of a person who runs with endurance. Okay, a few thoughts here on endurance. To run with endurance is to be intentional, meaning to run with endurance is to be deliberate and purposeful in the way we live our lives, um, which means that... Um, we live our lives in a Christ-centered manner, that the Lord Jesus is at the center of our lives, that the Word of God uh, governs us, governs our thinking, uh, our emotions, our direction, and everything, uh, that the Word of God governs, uh, governs us. So to be deliberate and purposeful uh, in, that, in that way. To be intentional, again, is to be deliberate and purposeful in the way we use our resources, our God-given resources. God has given us uh, time. Uh, time is a great resource. So the way we use time, the way we spend our time, the way, the way we spend leisure, uh, to be purposeful in that, to plan and to be purposeful in that, um, to be purposeful with our uh, resources like uh, maybe money, uh, to be purposeful in our skills and abilities that God has given us. Maybe God has given us some, you know, some special skills and gifts and uh, things that we are not using yet. 
uh, and it's all lying there dormant and neglected maybe. Um, so do we use it? Uh, can we be purposeful with it? No, that's running with uh, endurance, uh, to be, um, which means to be in intentional in the use of that. You know, sometimes we think, oh, um, you know, does it mean that there can be no rest and I have to be high strung and, you know, keyed up all the time? No. Uh, you know, maybe you're thinking, you know, only a type A personality can run with endurance. Uh, no, not at all. You can be the most chilled out, most relaxed person in the whole universe and still live a, a life of um, purpose, a life intentionally and deliberate and run with endurance. Uh, second thing, to run with endurance is to be consistent being consistent, being steadfast, and which means acting out in the same way uh, time after time, right? To be consistent with our lives, uh, consistent in our walk with God. That's the first thing, you know, not being double-minded about God. To go to God, to approach Him, and to be convinced, uh, to ask Him, you can actually reason with Him. If you have questions, it's, it's, it's okay to go before God and ask Him questions with an open heart and say, Lord, you teach me. But uh, uh, to be consistent in our faith, to be consistent in what we believe about God, right? And also to be consistent in our spiritual disciplines like reading the word, spending time in prayer, and, and so on. Um, and we know that, you know, this consistency does not happen overnight. It has to be built uh, day by day by day. Now, I'm reminded of my brother who, uh, who's younger to me. And uh, he, he used to live in Uti, and you know Uti, high altitude, less oxygen. And um, so he used to go for a run every day. And uh, at one point, I, uh, he was kind of uh, you know, preparing himself to run the 10K or 5K, I remember, some long distance running. And, uh, and the thing is, he used to go uh, and go for a run every day. And uh, I remember once we were there, and it was, it was drizzling outside, and you know, uh, Uti can get really cold. Um, when, it's, uh, when it rains, and, but then he was there. He was there with his rain gear and everything, and, he's, and he, he's going for a run. And there are times when he would take an umbrella and then go for that run, and, uh, and he completed that, uh, that long-distance run, 5K, uh, which he was preparing for. So uh, it does not happen overnight. I don't get up in the morning and I say, okay, I have endurance now. It needs to be built day by day. Okay, so um, endurance, uh, it, it, need, it means that we need to be intentional, we need to be consistent. Okay, um, to run with endurance is also to have good conscience, to have a good conscience before God, to have a good conscience before man. And uh, 1 Timothy 1.19, uh, Paul writes about a couple of people who rejected their good conscience and faith and good conscience because of which they suffered shipwreck in their spiritual walk with God. So, um, so these are some things, some thoughts on uh, endurance. Okay, let's look, at the, well, let's look at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the first thing we see here is there's something that we need to identify and put away. Verse 1 says, let us lay aside every sin, every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Sin we know is missing the mark. We know it could be something that we don't do knowingly, unknowingly, but it's something that displeases God. It's against the nature of God. And um, 
The Bible says that sin, here we read that sin has the capacity to ensnare us, trap us, and it is addictive. Uh, so sin results in loss of joy and fellowship, breakdown of fellowship in a believer's life. So we are called to lay aside that if we want to run with endurance, as we run with endurance. Now the thing is this, we need to be able to identify sin and call it for what it is. You know, uh, something really funny happened the other day. Uh, I, I, I'm not really into gardening, so I can't really identify plants and so on. So, um, so I looked at a, a plant and I said, you know, is this, is this greens, you know, kirei? Uh, is this kirei? So the family had a good laugh and they said, no, it's not, uh, it's not kirei, it's, it's begonia. So, uh, you know, the thing is, uh, I might have a wonderful garden and I might think, wow, this is great. And it could, for all you know, it could be some weed, some wild plant growing there. And, and unless we are able to identify and, and tag it as sin, uh, we won't actually put it away in our lives. We could debate we could justify it, we could carry it around, we could be ignorant about it even. But the fact is we have the word of God which lists down carefully, which in a very detailed manner what sin is. And on top of that, we have the Holy Spirit who indwells us and who gives us a check about sin. He actually convicts us, he warns us even before we, can, we could commit or we plan to uh, commit a sinful act, and he would convict us after that. So um, put away the sin. We are not to consider sin as an option. We are not to debate with sin. We are not to, uh, we are not to dialogue. We are not supposed to dialogue with sin or justify it, but put it away. Call it for what it is. Then the other thing uh, in this verse we see are weights. Let us lay aside every weight. Um, in the Greek, it just refers to a heavy mass, something that's heavy, something that's burdensome. And uh, we know that these weights slow us down, drag us down, or block us. These weights are destiny blockers. You know, these weights prevent us from really enjoying the run, enjoying the race, enjoying the life, the journey that we are called to do. Um, weights need not be necessary, necessarily sinful but they definitely have the potential to open the door to sin. So it's like, uh, you know, knock, knock, who's there? Uh, oh, sin. And then you say, uh, no, thank you. But then the weights that we've been carrying quickly runs to the door, click, opens it and says, you know, come right in. So weights have the potential. They need not be necessarily sinful. So let's consider some weights um, that we need to keep away from. You know, it could be relationships. It could be the company that we keep, right? Um, uh, the Bible talks about how uh, evil company corrupts good habits. Maybe you're a student and you're maybe in school or college and, uh, and, and you're a good performer. Uh, but we need to be mindful about the company that we keep. You know, we, we could have people around us whom we are influenced by and who maybe corrupt those good habits. Maybe they say, hey, just relax. You know, exam is still a way off and you don't have to do your homework. You don't have to do your you know, regular stuff and you can wait. Just relax, have fun. Uh, I used to have a friend like that in, in school and uh, uh, you know, he had this amazing capacity to study just the day before the exam and finish everything. But uh, you know, he would come and he would, he would pull me and he would say, okay, let's go play, let's go watch movies. And, and uh, he would be there at my place. And you know, the thing is, 
weights can actually slow us down. This is a weight, the company that we keep. Another thing, uh, any substitute, any God substitute, anything that takes the place of God in our life, um, that would, uh, that is definitely a weight, and it's also sin. Uh, some of the attitudes that we might carry, um, you know, the, we are called to live a life of faith. And uh, maybe we have a pessimistic attitude. You know, we look at everything negative, negative, negative. You know, like somebody said, the pessimist looks at a positive sign and he sees no, two, two no, negative signs. You know, one like this and another like this. Two negative. So we look at everything negative. Um, yes, we are called to critically evaluate things. But when we are negative all the time, when it prevents us, it's a drag on us to live a life of faith. Uh, because we are called to look at um, everything around through the eyes of Scripture, to, through, through the eyes of God. Okay, uh, so an attitude like pessimistic attitude, or it could be a superior attitude uh, because of some of the skills and abilities that we might have, to have a very superior attitude and say, I'm superior, you're inferior. Right? Um, and then, uh, but the Bible calls us to, to live and to consider everyone as equal, and, but we are not able to do that. We are not able to work together, maybe. Or maybe it is a contentious attitude, a quarrelsome attitude. We want to have the last word in every argument. And uh, uh, there's an argument for each and everything. And, uh, you know, having a contentious attitude. And we're not able to live in peace, live in our harmony. And uh, really the very environment becomes very unpleasant. Um, And that could be a weight. That could be something dragging us down. So uh, it could be anything that stops us from giving ourselves wholeheartedly to God. And I'm sure if, and we, you know, we can ask God to show us what are those weights, Lord, what are those things that are dragging us? What are those things that are causing a slow leak, you know, just causing us um, to, to really slow down and not live and not run the race with endurance? Okay, so let us put away every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And then the second thing uh, we see in verse 2 is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus. To consider attentively, to turn the eyes away from other things and fix them on something. So the second thing that um, for us to take away is that we need to have unbroken focus In order to focus on something, we know that we have to turn our eyes away from something else, a whole lot of other things in order to focus. Because, uh, uh, you know, we need to turn away from distractions. And the Bible talks about the Lord Jesus, who actually, for the joy that was set before him, he actually endured the cross, he despised the shame. So we are called to follow him. We are called to uh, consider him and look at Jesus. Um, look steadfastly at Jesus. So, so fixing our focus on Jesus means to, to, to look at his life, to look at his teachings, to look at his ministry, and to live a life in obedience, listening to the voice of the Spirit. So let's turn our eyes upon Jesus, because when we get distracted, it results in fear, and we're not able to live in faith. Um, we see this in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 30, where um, the disciples are in a boat, and, uh, and the Lord Jesus comes walking on the sea on water, and uh, Peter looks at the Lord, and, and everyone is afraid, and Peter looks at the Lord, uh, and he says, Lord, if it is really you, you command me to, to walk towards you on the water. 
You know, that's how detailed he is. He says, command me to come to you on the water. And the Lord says, come. And Peter starts walking on water to go to the Lord Jesus. But then we look at verse 30, which says, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. So he looked at he was distracted by the wind, by the waves. He saw that it was boisterous. And then he began to, he was afraid and he began to sink. But the beautiful thing is that the Lord holds him, lifts him up, and they walk back to the boat on the water. Right? So uh, when we are distracted, distractions result in fear. So we don't step out in faith. Distractions also deplete our strength and discourage us. It makes us weary. Another verse which talks about focusing on Jesus is verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. So when we get distracted, um, we get discouraged and weary. When we get distracted and turn our focus away from Jesus, we get discouraged, we get weary in our souls. You know, physically we can be fit and we can be active, but when we become weary and discouraged in our souls, in our thinking, then really it affects our body as well. Right? So we become weary, we become discouraged in our souls if we, if we do not consider him. Right? Consider meaning to contemplate and think and ponder. Uh, an example of not being discouraged, distracted, is, is the life of Nehemiah and, and the assignment that he had to rebuild the wall. Now God gave him this, this came into his heart to rebuild the wall of, walls of Jerusalem. So, and God also gives him the grace God also gives him the favor with the king and uh, the king gives him permission. The king gives him the resources that is required, timber from the forest. And so here, here is Nehemiah all set to, to carry out the assignment or, you know, like what we are studying today, figuratively we can say he was all set to run the race, right? And um, we see in Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 19 and 20, we see that there is an attempt to distract him. Uh, we see people like Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, they laughed and despised. They laughed and despised the fact that uh, he was on this assignment. He was getting all the Jews together to, to build the, the, rebuild the walls. Nehemiah's response is very simple. He has, just has faith in God and uh, he says, you know what, uh, I have faith in God and God will, uh, he will actually prosper us in this very thing that we are called to do. He will prosper us. And the second one, you know, the attempt doesn't stop there. There's a second attempt, and we read about that in uh, Nehemiah 4 and verse 1. Here they have started building the wall, and then we see that Sanballat is furious, and along with the others, they are indignant, and they mocked. And in fact, uh, Tobiah, he, he comes and he says, you know, even if a fox runs on, you know, these, all these walls, all these stones will be brought down. And... Um, Nehemiah's response again is prayer. He prays to the Lord, um, but he does not get distracted. He continues. There's a third attempt. And here, in fact, uh, they conspire to attack and create confusion. And again, Nehemiah prays, but along with that, he has a strategy to guard the work, to guard the assignment, to protect the assignment. So there are 50% of them, half of them are building the wall, 
and half of them are standing guard with the weapons, and, and it goes. Then we read that there are five attempts made to, uh, to draw him out, to come to the plains, to come and, and, and draw him out so that they might harm him, so that this assignment might be aborted. Five times. So we see that maybe, you know, there the are attempts from attempt number four to attempt number eight. Five times this happens, but he is discerning and he refuses to come. Then there's another attempt where they send a secret informer to do something for Nehemiah to do something so that his reputation um, uh, might be corrupted. And, uh, and Nehemiah says, no, that he will not do that. He, he refuses. And then finally we see in Nehemiah 6 and verse 15 that the wall is completed. The assign, he fulfills that assignment. So we, we might face distractions, but the Lord is calling us to focus our eyes on him, on his life, on his voice, on his thoughts, um, on his ministry, to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, to trust in him, and to continue and to obey, uh, carry out what he has called us to do. Okay, so that's the second thing that we see. Okay, uh, another important thing to note is that um, that the Lord will correct us. The Lord will, the word used there is chastening. Um, verse 7, we go to verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? So endure chastening. Chastening means to correct and to admonition out of care and concern. To admonition, to correct us out of care and concern. And the Lord will do that. You know, our heavenly father will not abuse us. He is too good to do us any harm. In fact, he, he, he planned this whole thing of salvation and he gave himself, uh, gave himself uh, on the cross, gave his only son to die on the cross for us. Romans 8.32 says that, you know, who, he delivered him up for us all. Will he not freely give us all things? Right? So that's the heart of Father God. So he will not abuse us with correction. He will not chase in us um, uh, in order to harm us, but it's always for our good. It's always for our good. No, because he came to give us life, to give us life in its fullness. And while we were yet sinners, he died on the cross. So will he correct us in order to harm us? He will always correct us uh, so that we can be edified, so that it can be beneficial to us. Um, the Lord primarily corrects us through his word and spirit. You know, that's his, that's his thing. When we read the word, the word convicts us. Maybe we are doing something sinful. Maybe we are living in sin. The word corrects us. The word of God, as we read the word, the spirit of God quickens the word of God. And the word pierces our heart, pierces us like an arrow. And sometimes the spirit of God just convicts us and we are, we are unable to sleep at night. He convicts us. He, he corrects us personally. And that's how, you know, primarily he does that. And, uh, and again, he might correct us through others, through, through maybe the authority structures that he has placed, the divine order that he's placed, family members, maybe uh, those who have spiritual authority over us. And maybe they'll bring in a word of correction and say, you need to change, right? Um, but if we persist in sin, if we persist in rebellion, then we ourselves open up the door for the enemy to walk in and create confusion in our lives. But the best thing is this. In spite of that, 
The Lord will correct us even through that so that he might bring us through. You know, I remember, you know, uh, I was living in sin, uh, you know, as a believer, okay, uh, many years ago as a believer. And, and once um, there was this, uh, we were going uh, in a scooter, my wife and I, and as it was, uh, we had a small accident, uh, a car that uh, just scraped us and we fell down. And as I was falling down and as I hit the ground, I knew that I, it was because uh, I was living a sinful lifestyle and I had opened the door for Satan to come in and do that, to create harm. The Holy Spirit was speaking. You know, as I was falling, I knew exactly why that was happening. But that is not God's best way to correct us. Many times we think, you know, this will happen, the bad things will happen. Yes, that's not God's best for us. But he wants to correct us and redeem us um, despite all that's happening. So uh, now verse 11 says that this chastening, it does not, is not joyful, it is painful. Nevertheless, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God is redemptive. He corrects us in order to redeem us. From destruction. So as we run this race, this race with endurance, be open for correction from the Lord. He will use his word and spirit. He might use his people, but let's, um, let's respond to his correction. Let's quickly change our ways. Let's not persist in sin and rebellion. Um, right. And lastly, uh, we look at a few verses. Hebrews 12, 12 to 15. Um, uh, the writer of Hebrews exhorts and he says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this Many become defiled. So here is this exhortation. Here is this encouragement. Strengthen. Strengthen yourself. Strengthen the hands which hang down. You know, strengthen those, those knees, those feeble knees. And make straight path for your feet. So the Lord is you know, uh, speaking to some of us and encouraging us today. You know, strengthen yourself. Strengthen the hands which hang down. And the feeble knees, you know, your hands, especially our knees and our feet, uh, they carry the weight of our bodies, right? These joints. And he's saying, strengthen them. Make straight paths for your feet. You know, don't walk on crooked paths. Make straight paths for your feet. You know, make those sound judgments. Make those sound decisions. Make those wise choices. Make those righteous choices. And uh, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Come to the Lord for healing. So he talks about three things. One is about our assignment, about when he's talking about the hands, the feet, and the knees. He's talking about our assignment, um, you know, make it, pursue it, rise up, and run again. Then he's talking about Christ-likeness, pursuing peace and holiness and avoiding bitterness. And um, um, he's talking about the grace, that we need to keep ourselves in the grace of God. 
Second Timothy chapter two and verse one talks about how we need to strengthen ourselves, be strong in the grace of our God. The grace of our God, unmerited favor, be strong in it, be rooted in it. The grace of our God talks about divine enablement as well. Be strong in that, right? Um, so um, the th- it, it is good news. You know, maybe some of us are saying, you know, I'm not able to walk. I'm not able to run. Uh, I'm, I've lost all. I've become weary. I've become tired. Scripture is ex- exhorting us today. The Lord is exhorting us, encouraging us. You know, do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. Run with endurance. Uh, when you look at the Lord, you know, it is not like God is saying, okay, here's the path. Here's your mission. Now you go and, uh, you know, I'm going to review it now. So he's, not, he's not like looking at like a strict uh, schoolmaster or, you know, saying, okay, now what did you do? Or like a manager, you know, what did you do? What did you do? He is with us in the journey. He is with us in the journey. Uh, we read about it in, in the book of Acts where uh, Paul goes to the Corinthian church, plants the Corinthian church, and there's a lot of uh, things happening. That he goes to the synagogue, they don't accept him, they reject him. Um, but then we read about the fact that the Lord Jesus speaks to him and says, you know, be there. Uh, I am with you. No harm will come to you. He's with there, with Paul in his assignment, in his mission. And Paul stays there for about uh, one and a half years and a great church, a great work is done. It's planted. Right? So the Lord is with us today in our assignment, in our call. He's running as, uh, alongside us. He's not left us far away. He is running with us and he's strengthening us. Okay, so um, we're going to spend some time just worshiping the Lord and then we'll come back and, um, and then we'll pray and close.
Lord, um, the Lord Jesus, you know, let him be the center. Let our focus come back to him. Let him be the fire in us. Let him be the wind in our sails and uh, let him take us forward. Uh, I just want to read Isaiah 40 and verse 31. It says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now the, you know, maybe we are walking and we are fainting. Maybe we are running and we are feeling weary. But, um, but those who wait on the Lord, even as you wait on the Lord, even as we wait on him, our strength will be renewed. So the Lord is saying, pick up you know, what you dropped, maybe what you put on pause uh, because of weariness, because you were discouraged um, in, in your walk with the Lord. Maybe there are some dreams that he put in your heart. Maybe there are, there's an assignment which, which is now midway uh, and, and it is stopped because of various things. Maybe because of sin, maybe because of weights. The Lord is saying, pick it up and run. Pick it up. Arise and run. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, God, that, uh, that you are with us. You are running with us as we run with endurance. Lord, you are encouraging us. You are, Lord, urging us on. We thank you, Lord. Father, we ask for your healing right now, Lord. For those of us who are walking or unable to walk even, Lord, I pray that you would heal, God. And I just pray that there will not be greater damage, O oh God, to our walk, Father God, that there will be no dislocation, God, that there will be healing, that there will be healing of emotions, there will be healing, Father God, there will be forgiveness, God. Yes, Lord, we come and we ask you for forgiveness. We have not, if we have not put away those things we were meant to put away, Lord, we ask for forgiveness, God. We ask for forgiveness, God, if we've been living in, in rebellion and continuing to live in sin, God. Father, we thank you that your desire is that, that we might be healed, that we might be forgiven. So, God, we, we ask, oh God, for healing. And we pray that our walk will be a walk of faith, that we will not faint, that we will run and we will not be weary. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Master. Yes, Lord, we, we pray that you would just lift us up today, Lord, in your arms, God, that you would just raise us up, O oh, Father God, and uh, Lord, so that we might run again, so that we might walk again, O oh, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the work of your Spirit in us. Thank you for warning us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And if you're, if you're here and if you've never ever invited Jesus into your heart and you can pray this prayer and you can invite him into your life and you can say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and change my life so that I will walk with you. I want you to walk with me. You know, you don't have to walk this life alone. The Lord 
would want to walk with you. The Lord would want to run with you. So you can invite Jesus into your life. Um, and the Bible calls it the born again experience. And the Bible calls it salvation. So you can receive this into your own heart, into your own life. And you can say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe that you took my sin, which was separating me from you. You took it upon the cross. I believe that you rose again on the third day. Come into my life. Change my life. I want to be your child. You can go ahead and pray that prayer in your heart. Thank you, Father God. We thank you. We thank you for this time, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless your name. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us always, even as we run with endurance. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.